0: Hello and welcome to, welcome back is what we should say, welcome back because that's right because there's no doubt that you've been listening to all of the Nuggets 24K podcast.
1: No diggity, no doubt.
0: (laughs) The voice that you're hearing right there is Katie Wenge, I'm Christopher Dempsey. Uh, You guys are in for a treat today because our special guest uh, today is... Wes Unseld, he is the son of a Hall of Famer. He is the Nuggets defensive coordinator, kind of. <laughs> he laughs at that. <laughs> but he
1: really is. But he
0: really is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and since the Nuggets have been defending better than they did last season, we thought it would be a good time to have him on the pod.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we'll get to him. Stay tuned for that in a few moments. But first, we want to get to team matters because we are sitting here with a basketball team that's 4-1 and 2nd in the Western Conference.
1: Second in the West. Yeah, just think about that for a second. Just
0: let that. Let's just let that yeah. soak. Simmer <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Um, and and they're doing it with defense. And so the first question, or yeah, that I'm gonna ask Katie is not your level of surprise, but uh, how fun is it? I guess to see them winning games in this manner.
1: It's okay. You can ask the surprise question if you want. Oh, let's let's um, go surprise. And because end fun. here's the thing. I've obviously only been here one season prior, so for me, last season, the season started with them being like, well, we need to get better on the defensive end, and we didn't really see that executed in that way. Um, Offense was what they hung their hat on, and they didn't need to really defend the way that they were playing offensively. Well, okay, we come into training camp, and we hear kind of the same narrative. We need to defend better. We need to defend better okay, well, the entire NBA really doesn't defend right now. So what does that look like? What does that mean? (laughs) Um, So for me, to actually see that on the floor has been a blast. And to Coach Malone keeps saying, well, the guys are just more bought in. They're more bought in on that side of the basketball. You can see that. Those aren't just words. Those guys are fully invested on that side of the basketball. And to see the rotations, that's what's really stood out to me. Malone says a lot of times, like, He's impressed with the multiple efforts his guys are giving. Well, those multiple efforts are, okay, one guy is is late closing out on a three-point shooter, so he runs him off the three-point line. Then his teammate is there on help side to cover him as he's driving to the basket, and the other side drops, and they're able to get a steal or cause a turnover or something like that. So those rotations and how the Nuggets aren't reacting, they're now anticipating, that to me has been the most fun to watch on the defensive side.
0: Yeah, and they're one of the um... – I think they're one of the higher steals teams in the NBA yeah. so far uh, this season. Yeah, you know, some somebody asked me one, you know, uh, on one occasion, what, why are the Nuggets better on defense? Just why? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think this is a, I, I think it's a not a complicated answer, but I think it's a it's a ish answer, and, and I think it starts with the buy-in of the players, because if you don't have that, it doesn't really matter what you're teaching. Yeah. But I think it extends on in a couple of areas. And I actually wrote about this, but here is what I think I see. Um, one, you have players who are better equipped. They're more mature. They've seen things in the NBA already. They know which way... Um, let's just call it, uh, I don't know, player A, it doesn't matter, Lonzo Ball, James Harden, it doesn't matter. They understand their games a little bit better. They understand opposing offensive schemes a little bit better. They've been through this grind many times, and so there's – uh, not as much now that can fool them. Mm-hmm. If you're Gary Harris, you've seen a lot now. If you're Nikola Jokic, you've seen a lot now. Yeah. Um. Same thing with Jamal Murray, and he continues to see more. Um. As his career goes on, and then you mix in guys like Paul Millsap, have seen everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and, and Mason Plumlee, have seen everything. Torrey Craig, long and lean. Does doesn't even matter how much he has or has not seen. He's just such a good defender and so active on Flies that end, around. right? That he's going to be. Uh, successful okay so that there's that piece then i think you have a coaching staff that over the last i'm going to call it three seasons has figured out what works and what doesn't work Mm -hmm. and what works with this personnel versus hey this is a system that should work because it has worked elsewhere yeah and so because of that trial and error they have been able to figure out the best system for this group of players and that has also been, I think, a really big factor um, in their defense. So it, it looks like, wow, they just did this just like right now. And it's just the players flying around. And that is part of it. But I just think it is a multi – it's a tree with a lot of branches. Yes,
1: I agree with you. I agree with you completely. And if you would have told me that the Nuggets are going to start their season the first three games holding their team – the t- their opponents under 100 points, there's where the surprise factor comes into. Yeah, in too. yeah like, for sure. The fact that they had such a focus and put such an emphasis on that and they were able to execute the game plan in that way, it makes me so excited about the the potential of this group.
0: Because all they have to do now is make shots. (laughs) Imagine what (laughs) happens when the Nuggets make shots. And this is the most interesting part of it to me because, all right, so last year they were the seventh best three-point shooting team in the NBA, 37.1%. This year they are 30th right now. Uh, at 29%. Um, Spot-up shooting, they are 30th at 25% makes on spot-ups. Last year, they were 6th at 40.7%.
1: Encyclopedia Dempsey over here. (laughs) He's not reading these folks. This is straight from memory.
0: (laughs) So you're talking about a team, and what we know about this basketball team is they make shots like what what's happening right now isn't like if that's what's out of the norm yes the norm for this team is making a lot of shots and so that is what is it's funny because they they still this is a team that scores over 100 points regardless but oh my gosh if those percentages goes up
1: yeah can you imagine you know what's interesting Shooting is is a numbers game, 100%. Like, obviously, you're not going to make every shot that you take. But, like, think about a guy like Steph Curry who can go 0 for 10 one night and then go 10 for 11 another night. Well, the entire Nuggets team right now basically just went 0 for 10. Let's right. put it in that category for the past couple games. So that means that they could potentially go – 10 for 11. They could have a, a 70% night or an whatever it might be. Their percentages are going to shoot up just because it's a numbers game. When is that going to happen? Yeah. And what is it going to look like? And obviously the the law of averages, everything will even out. But there's going to be one of these games where they get hot and it's going to be unconscious.
0: Well, because to get to that average, they're going to have to go way exactly. above. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're going to get one of these. They made 17 three-pointers tonight or they made 23 pointers Here tonight. Here for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so uh it's it's very interesting uh to me. I I think uh, there this is not a situation where they're not generating good looks. They're just not making them. Um, I, I I did I did go back and watch all of them. <laughs> they have 137 three-point attempts already. And uh so I watched them all. And
1: <laughs> <laughs> all of them.
0: I watched every single one back of to them. Back to back, yep. Back to back to back. And So the way I charted it, uh, 75 of them, 75, were not contested at all or just very lightly contested. So like a guy coming super late uh, to to get kind of a hand up. So 70, those are the kind of shots they want. They Mm -hmm. want open shots. That's
1: what their offense creates for them.
0: Exactly. 60 of them were contested. And I'm going to tell you, the game that stood out was Golden State. My goodness. I mean, those guys there was not a. It felt like there wasn't a shot they didn't contest. Yes. And when you're under that much duress, certainly you can be forced in some bad shooting mm-hmm. nights. Uh, so I'm just, the Golden State factor is huge in that 60 number because I would, uh, 25 to 30 came in that one game alone. Wow. So, um, you know that would that's what it is. But I think if you're just looking for a, a reason that. The offense is running the way the offense is, is should. It's not saying that it's perfect. Certainly there are things that needs to be ironed out. Yeah. But generally, by and large, they're they're getting the shots they want to get. They're creating, yeah. yeah.
1: Who has uh, surprised you the most or who have you been most impressed with? Um, especially, I want to add this caveat, with Will Barton's injury.
0: With Will Barton's injury, I mean, Monte Morris stepping up has been pretty good. It's been really good, not pretty good. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, it's what?" Pause. Yeah, it's been really good. Yeah. His two, and we just talked to him about this uh, recently. Like his 2018, this is where he started, right? Yes. At the beginning of this year, he was in the G League, and he was playing fairly well in the G League. Yes. Like, that's what was happening, and then he gets into the summer. He starts like working on the mechanics of his shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he takes that into the Summer League, which he is challenged to be the best point guard in all of Summer League. Yes. By head coach Michael Malone. He was basically that. Yes. He was basically that. And on top of that, there was kind of the more of the uh, the, the, the more mm, technical items of, okay, is this young man ready to be a part of the team all the time? Sure. And can he start showing us that now? Yep. Okay. And so then he did. Running the team, shooting the ball, uh, you know, getting players to the right spots, defending 94 feet, which was really just unbelievable kind of watch. I was like, can you keep this up even in summer league all the time? Yes, he can. So then he takes the summer league momentum into training camp, training camp into preseason, preseason into scoring 20 points with seven assists and zero turnovers at the Los Angeles Lakers. And I'm telling you. On national TV. On national TV. And this is just his year has been amazing. And he said himself – this has just been the best year of his of his life in terms of his basketball. life.
1: Yes, in the way that he's grown. Yeah, he just what he's capable of doing on the floor really blows my mind, and the poise that he has, the confidence that he has. Malone and him have both addressed this conversation that they had after the Phoenix game where Malone basically said, hey, if you're not aggressive, you're not helping us. So I want you to be making aggressive mistakes if you're going to make mistakes. Um, And ever since then, he's said his confidence has just skyrocketed. And it's like he's playing free and he's he's doing what he knows he's capable of. And it almost goes under wraps because he is just so solid. Mm -hmm. When he's out there, you don't even notice that he's putting up seven assists with zero turnovers or that he's scoring 20 points necessarily because it's just so within the flow of the game and he's such a floor general that it comes naturally to him. And what I'm really excited to see, Malone actually said this um, after sh- after practice, that he's he wants him to play alongside Jamal Murray a little bit more. Mm. So Nuggets fans, you can expect to see that that one-two um, with Monte being the true point guard and Jamal Murray maybe playing a little bit more shooting guard and playing that two guard spot, which he did at Kentucky. So, with Will Barton's absence, there's going to be some new rotations and that sort of thing. But I'm excited to see more of Monte, and I'm excited to see him alongside Jamal Murray.
0: Well, yeah, and that's a situation that I don't think we expected to to, to happen. You know, yeah. the, the, the season, which it gives a lot of, it gives the Nuggets a little flexibility. And you know, there are times it, when Jamal Murray has been in in shooting slumps in the past. One of the ways he's gotten out of them is to be kind of off the ball and get into a little bit more of a catch and shoot mode. Yes, Um, he is very good on the catch and shoot, and uh, you know, but especially with Will Barton out, there was really no way. There's no clear path to get him to that until Monte Morris started playing really well, and then it's like, okay, 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 (laughs) now we can, now we can get to that. And so, just as, as you as you said, and you tweeted this out as well, um, I saw. So we we will see more of that, and so that'll be interesting. It'll be fun to watch from the standpoint of that'll get uh, you know that'll get Jamal's juices going a little bit more. Yeah. He can run around. He can run off screens. Um, you know, he he's 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 really good in in that area, and then it gives the uh, the Nuggets certainly a lot more. You, you talk about trust. He still has only played. He still has played fewer than ten games, like in terms of the in, in, yeah. in the NBA. But right now, I do believe Paul Millsap said he's playing like a veteran. I I, I typed that quote into my phone because I'm <laughs> yeah. going to use that. Yeah. I mean, he's playing like a veteran, which is um, it's really remarkable, but it's really a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah. So okay, so before we get to our lovely guests yes. today, yep. um, we are going to talk all things nuggets with him we'll talk his basketball journey and all of those good things but we end the interview talking about someone that he was sarstruck with um and i just want dempsey to tell his sarstruck story before we get into that interview because we didn't end with it we had to cut that interview short just with wes's story so demps will you please tell nuggets nation about your brandy encounter
0: (laughs) so brandy (laughs) all right here's my brandy encounter because it's
1: it was pretty fun, <laughs> and you'll understand why it's relevant when you listen to the rest of the pod.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, uh, Brandy. So w- as I'm growing up, uh, Brandy, and I think we're uh, quite frankly, I think we're about the same age, me and Brandy. I think we're about the same. But anyways, small little crush on Brandy. So anyway, well, we're <laughs> we're in a. Uh, this is long. This is like 1998 now, and I'm covering the Broncos for the Boulder Daily Cameras, the first newspaper I worked for out of college. And the Broncos make the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl's played in Miami, there's a bunch of ridiculous parties in Miami, but we get to into one of them. That was pretty exclusive. I mean, one of the Broncos um, staff at the time had an in, and so he got us in. So we get into this, uh, uh, it's like an open air club, it was beautiful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he dreams about and, it I, still. <laughs> I, I, I dream about this still. Um, so we get in there and there's like Jay-Z right there, and there's Timberland over there, and then lo and behold, there's Brandy walking like not too far. Is it in... like
1: the heavens showing down?
0: It was exactly, exactly. <laughs> Like this is an open air club, and it's like, oh, the stars are shining a lot brighter. <laughs> but so, uh, long story short, so she's walking uh, kind of near my vicinity. So I'm like, well, sh- you know, I, I'm gonna go say hi <laughs> because why wouldn't I? So I get over and and I'm and I'm close, and I said hey, Brandy, and she turns, and I say, hi. And right at that moment, her security snatches me up and like tosses me to the (laughs) side, and that was that for that. But for one split second, I almost said hi to Brandy. She (laughs) did look at me, and it was great.
1: (laughs) Man, I don't know how anyone could beat that, but guess who does?
0: Wes. Wes. And we will get to Wes Unseld's interview with us right now. We are pleased to be joined by Wes Unseld. We're going to affectionately call the defensive coordinator because he loves that title <laughs> so so much. Wes, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, let's start with defense, okay? <laughs> uh, because in the in the five game start, this is obviously the Nuggets are getting national notoriety for the defense that you guys are playing, and and just how pleased are you? And, and what are kind of the building blocks to? the good start on that end
2: well obviously it's a short sample size so we don't want to get ahead of ourselves <laughs> yeah. but obviously the first first three games uh were excellent as far as i'm concerned the last two there's some slippage um, pace of play with those teams that play extremely quick are going to affect that to some extent but uh, overall we've seen great buy-in from september to training camp into the preseason and now into the uh, beginning of the regular season when uh, i don't want to say it happened overnight. But, but that's what it
0: looks like to everybody on the outside right. looking in. But, but can you kind of take us through as much as you can? What are the steps that have made the, the most difference so far on, on defense?
2: Well, to take it back to the end of last year, um, every year we evaluate players um, end of season meetings and say, hey, we need this, that, or the other from you, and we want, we want you to come back a different player, a better player. Well, we ask the same thing of ourselves. We evaluate our offense, our defense, how we do things internally, uh, find, trying to find ways to be more efficient. So in that process, um, we've made changes each year. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. Um, thankfully thus far, we've seen those changes pay off, but uh, that process just doesn't happen in the middle of training camp. You know, it's the, the small steps we take implementing drills, um, implementing certain little things and details where, where guys get more comfortable, they become muscle memory. So now when you do get into practice, get into training camp, we're not learning on the fly, they're just reacting.
1: Why do you think there has been such a different buy-in this time around?
2: Well, I think just like coaches, players are tired of hearing it. I mean, and you can't refute the reality. The numbers speak for themselves. We have not been a very good defensive team. Last year, I thought we took steps in the right direction. Uh, Didn't correlate necessarily on paper, but you you, you felt us. We we had more energy uh, about our play. Um, We were more physical. I thought we uh, had better game plan and personnel discipline. so I think for us to take that next step, and some of it is just a, a natural maturation, um, we've seen that uh, quite a bit for, from our guys.
0: Well, I was going to say, uh, how much of that is due to just development? I mean, these guys were all super young. I mean, Gary Harris we've seen grow. We've seen Nikola right. Jokic grow, Jamal Murray grow. But if you haven't seen anything in the NBA, uh, you don't know necessarily what's coming at you right. on a night-to-night basis with personnel and scheme, and now that seems to, that they have gotten –
2: Enough experience that they know what's coming out. That's a big part of it. Understanding, you know, just the league, how the league's officiated, how guys play, certain guys' strengths, being more detailed oriented as far as understanding game plan, and even when guys make tough shots, you know that's okay. We'll make adjustments if we need to. But you have to go out, hold yourself accountable, and do the right thing each possession.
1: How much at this level now is it is defense energy and effort versus strategy?
2: It's a mixture of both. Uh, I think offenses are too good. Um, the way the game is now played, the freedom of movement, it's been a big point of emphasis this summer as far as the officiating, makes it a lot tougher for defenses. So in, in dealing with that, there are going to be breakdowns. So if you can stop the initial attack, you've done half the battle. Now what happens after that? You have to react, you have to scramble, get multiple effort, and to just keep playing.
1: With, I mean, we've talked about this a couple times. Malone has talked about this a couple times too. The games so far that we've seen have been so high scoring. Right. Is defense even
2: being played? <laughs> yeah, <still? laughs> believe it or not, yes, it is. <laughs> There's a lot of guys out there trying. Um, I think with the the, the rule changes, uh, we were the benefit of that. I think the first three games because we were getting to the line. And anytime you can get yeah. to the line, now the, the team's playing against a set defense. That helps mm-hmm. when you're playing an up tempo team, make miss or turnover. They're pushing it back at you. Now you're on your heels the whole game. So that's that more difficult. To get stops, especially early in the possession. Yeah, uh, it's it's been interesting. I, I think the freedom of
0: movement is like m- going to be one of the most consequential things. Kind of like when they took hand checks off, sure. and all of a sudden guards could just go yeah. wherever they wanted. Um, but but okay, defense aside, it's been a great start. I want to know more about you, and you start. I saw something uh, that I thought was very interesting, which was, so you started your kind of like scouting career with the Washington Wizards, but like four days after college is over, is that right? Four days?
2: I mean, it's maybe a little embellished, but (laughs) within the first week. um, And I had already interned with the team for two summers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my my dad was like, hey, we'll give you the opportunity to intern, but you have to intern in every single department. So it was a a different take, my last one being with basketball ops. So I did everything. I mean, from serving food in the press room, washing cars, getting lunches, you name it. Wow. Wearing the, the mascot uniform, everything. <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was fun. You know, it was different. But uh, he said you got to learn the business. Um, and to know the business, you have to immerse yourself in each aspect of the business.
1: Okay, so Nuggets fans might not know you or your story the way that they probably should. Yeah. Uh, can you just walk us through both your basketball journey and then your coaching journey as well?
2: Well, um, obviously, they may have name recognition, but uh, (laughs) yeah, we'll get to that later. (laughs) It it always helps to have an in. But uh, you know, played at Johns Hopkins University for four years. I knew from the beginning that I was going to enjoy my basketball experience. The plan for me was to take a year, uh, work, and then go back to grad school. Hmm. Well. Twenty-one years later, here right. I am. <laughs> right, and you have you have to go back to grad school? <laughs> <laughs> You're the defensive coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I.
0: You also. So you worked with the Mystics as well. I did. Yes. You. You were. Were you a scout and assist assistant coach at the same time?
2: By default. A, okay. The first year, the Mystics were an expansion team, so didn't have much of a staff. The. Uh, they said, "Look, you have to work both." Yeah. That's no problem. So scouting both. Um, there was a coaching change early in the year, and once again, they didn't have a whole lot of staff, mm-hmm. so they took me off the road and made me an assistant. So I'd be uh, with the team, then go ahead and scout, try to meet the team. Uh, very different experience, but it was, it was gratifying. I thought um, ne- after never having been around women's basketball, uh, I came away with a different impression. Yeah, Just the skill level, the uh, attention to detail. I was thoroughly surprised. Yeah, uh, you've done a ton. <laughs> <Heck yes. laughs> You've done it a long way ago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering though, did, did, was coaching always something that you, okay, no, no, okay,
2: yeah. it was not. Uh, the plan, in my mind was to move more into the front office role. Mm. Um, and uh, Mike Brown, now an assistant lead assistant with Golden State Wars, uh, came in as the fourth assistant under Bernie Bickerstaff. Oh. So Mike and I hit it off. We lived a block and a half away from each other. So I was more uh, immersed in the personnel side. They had issues with the advanced scout at the time. So Mike came to me on the side, was like, hey, you're out there. If you don't mind helping us out, try to catch a few games, see how it goes. If you like it, great. Did a few games uh, that year, wound up taking the whole schedule and uh, <laughs> never looked back. <laughs> never
0: looked back.
2: Uh, you can go. Oh, I was going to, uh, coaching. <laughs> so
0: when did coaching, when did you know, okay, uh, this the front office thing can wait? I I like this coach thing. I really like it.
2: It was uh, probably the Eddie Jordan uh, years in Washington. Um, Once again, I was still out on the road, and I tried to meet the team whenever I could. Because in my mind, I'm like, you have to kind of make yourself uh, indispensable. How can I be more valuable, help the team? So obviously, you're out on the road quite a bit, but meeting the team, he enjoyed just, you know, a guy who had been on the road, seen those games live, what input uh, that I could bring. Um, So just doing that more and more, He's like, finally, you need to be with us. So it was kind of him that got me into coaching, getting on the bench, and, and so forth so on.
1: I want to know a story about one of your steps along the way. Is When you look back on your time and being around the game as long as you have, is there anything that stands out as like a, wow, that's a really cool memory that I
2: have? I think the, uh, the first time the, the Wizards made the playoffs, I think it was... 15 or 17 years there's a gap huge gap Mm -hmm. and just the um the environment was something new to me because you know you I've been going there for years and years and years and you always had decent crowds but it was a different feel there was a an excitement in the building a a buzz and just that jolt of adrenaline I was like you know what I could get used to this this winning (laughs) thing is is pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) this winning thing all right all right when did you meet coach Malone um I've known him and I was on the losing end of most of these meetings <laughs> his years in Cleveland. And obviously in Washington, we played them uh, quite a bit in the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, um, another member of our staff had a good relationship with him. So we, you know, chit-chat here and there before games. When he got out to Golden State, um, he just gave me a call. Uh, and I was just like, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll go interview. Mm-hmm. And it worked out. So we uh, spent a year together in Golden State before I went to Orlando. And then obviously when he got the opportunity to come here, uh, he called me up again. Yeah, yeah. It was a pretty. Was it a no-brainer for you, or I, where were you at the time? You were. You I was out actually. It? I was. Uh, I had just gotten let go in, in February in Orlando. Okay. So, I had a year, you yeah. know, to sit out and wait. I'm thinking, okay, well, I could sit out or just get back in and see how it goes. And I thought it was a great opportunity, knowing Coach Malone, obviously knowing Tim Conley. It's like I know I'm going to be around good people.
0: Okay. When you look at the growth of this everything that you guys have been building over, you know, since you guys have been here. Um, what's maybe the most proud thing or what, what's, what's, what,
2: gets, what puts a smile on your face the most when you look at this team now as compared to well, what I think it was now there. that, uh, and it's not just the extra attention we've gotten from the outside media, it's how we've gotten noticed more by our fans. Mm. You know, and it's it's tough. Your team's a struggle. Um, they would won 30 games, then we got it to 33. We've shown improvement each year, which is great. And I think that fan base is is coming back. And I think that's the proudest thing. Obviously, our guys have done a heck of a job. Every person to a, to a man has come back a better player. And whenever whenever you do that, that just, you know, you just keep getting better.
1: Yeah, with that in mind, what's your favorite part about what you do? And then what's the most challenging part about what you do as well? well
2: I'll start with most challenging. <laughs> that's what you're going to go challenges. to first. That's what stands <laughs> out, not the favorite part. <laughs> uh, obviously, the favorite part, you know, when... Even when we don't shoot the ball well, and we haven't yet to date, obviously historically our offense has been through the roof. Mm-hmm. I think that'll come when you can still win when you're not making shots. That's gratifying, mm-hmm. and you see it, you know, on on our on our guys. There's no panic. It's not like man, we need to make we need a bucket. It's like no, we'll, we'll get a stop. Mm-hmm. So just the switch in mindset, I think, is terrific. Um, the hardest part is, you know, a lot of times, a lot of nights, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Every time out, every film session, you know, and, and our guys are great. No one takes it personal. Um, their approach is professional. So I think it's uh, um, it's great on their part, but it's the fact that every single time it's like, hey, I'm coming to them with a correction. It's like eh, it can be awkward at, at times.
1: Yeah. I want to know, too, and I'm sure a lot of fans would like to know an inside look, too, at, at timeouts and huddles. And, and what are what are the coaches talking about before mm-hmm. they go and meet with the team? And then what happens in, in the team meetings as well during those moments?
2: Well, I think uh, a variety of things you know, throughout the course of the uh, season. Uh, most of the timeouts are very serious. Some, you're like, oh, hey, what are we going to do for dinner? <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we do have those moments. But <laughs> more, more so matchups, uh, you know, what do we like? Uh, is there a guy we need to get in, get out? Um Assessing a situation, late game. Uh, for, for me, it's more you know, their matchups, um, correcting any mistakes that we've made and or things that we may see coming out of a timeout. Uh, and then late game, we, we use a, a quite a bit of technology, which is nice, um, importing a bunch of uh, late game situations that we've seen this, our opponents play over the, their, their previous games. So in my mind, I'm trying to figure out, well, who's in the game? You know, what are the one or two situations they may go to? And I try to explain those situations to our players. Hmm. So coming out of the timeout, they understand, hey, we're going to switch one through five. We're switching one through four. Before the ball comes in, after the ball comes in, we're going to take a foul right away if we're up and they're out of timeouts. So so there's a variety of situations Mm -hmm. uh, that we have to think through. But, uh, you know, we've got everything mapped out. And our players have, have done a great job of translating whether offense or defense from the board onto the floor
1: sure when the coaches are meeting before that message has gone back to the huddle is it very much a conversation amongst you guys
2: yeah uh, you know sometimes there's a bit of bit, bit of debate and it's not always oh <laughs> not always friendly but <laughs> it, it, there's no malice behind it but uh, you know it th- they're tense moments and you can feel strongly about a certain thing and, and coach has the final say and that's it so uh, but he wants input which I think is great he trusts us He he believes in us and obviously he knows we're prepared so um, it's a healthy debate but at the end of the day, his decision is his decision.
0: Yeah, it seems to be a lot of voices and practices, right. um, and I mean, I don't know if that's how common that is around the league, or if there are coaches that were more apt to let their assistants have bigger voices. Right. Or I mean, I, I think but, it's a mixture
2: of both. Yeah, I mean, uh, thankfully, I've been in environments where uh, the head coach wants you to coach, and in doing so, he also holds you accountable, mm-hmm. which I think is is great. Uh, we ask that of our players; is no different for us. Um, I know there are some situations where the head coach does everything. And that's fine, too. You know, it's just whatever he, that, that person is accustomed to doing and, and how he feels the work should flow. Okay, so what's it like to be the son of a Hall of Famer? <laughs> Thank you for asking. That's what I wanted to get to, too. <laughs> I think I appreciate it now uh, as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, it was just like the same guy who told me to clean my room and to, like, do my homework. <laughs> right. I'm like, whatever. I didn't, I didn't understand the magnitude because it was just a routine. Mm-hmm. And I see that now in my own kids. They have no clue there's a game. -hmm. You know they're they're young, but they're three and five. But the routine of it, going into the family room, playing with the other kids, getting the snacks, the popcorn, that's that's their biggest highlight. Yeah, they could care less about the game.
0: Yeah. Um, What was uh, so obviously you were you were at were were you at the gyms with them
2: all the time? Or I mean, how did how did that work growing up? How did that look? Quite often. I mean, on weekends, I'd go to practice, and I just had to sit and be quiet. And when (laughs) practice was over, I could (laughs) run around and shoot. and, you know, as I got older, I'd, I worked as a ball boy um, weekends and then weeknights. Uh, it was a great experience. You know, And I think you uh, you learn the league uh, that way. And not not just players, but, you know, I always grew up around the game, but you learn to love the game. Right. That was so going to ask studying, you right, when he did. When did that start? Because we were talking to Mark Price about
0: this earlier. And I think he said it was around the time he was 10. Yeah. Right. Um, where, you know,
2: he was. In the gyms and, right. and he began to really love the game and that
0: sounds like it's pretty
2: similar right and it's 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 through no You know fault of my dad. He's not like he pushed me into it, right? He, he could care less if he, his his priority was do well in school if you play basketball great He just that wasn't his thing and uh, I think his step back approach was healthy for me because I never felt pressured I mean, I think you learn early that I'm probably not going to be as good as him, (laughs) (laughs) and that's okay, but it it was never a thing that I felt like I had big shoes to fill, Mm. because at Mm. some point I learned that I I can't fill those. So, you know, make my own path, and um, as long as I was a good student, they were always proud of me.
1: Yeah, that was going to be actually my next question. You said there's no pressure, but did you feel any expectations at all as to getting into basketball or getting a scholarship in college or anything like that? I mean,
2: I think... I think it's every kid's dream to want to play in the NBA. Um, I, I think I realized early that that probably wasn't going to happen. Um, <laughs> there were external pressures, not from my family, that they're just normal. Mm-hmm. You know, you're at a rec league and he walks in. And everybody, it's not hard to figure out whose kid he's cheering for. It's like, <laughs> oh, great, here we go. <laughs> now everyone's playing a little harder. I, I had parents yelling at me, and, you know, and it's, that just comes with it. Um, but it was never an internal pressure which uh, to their credit was great. It it really helped me as a person and my development. I didn't feel like I had to, you know, fill this void that I I wouldn't be able to do.
1: What was your relationship like with him? Was it all basketball or did you have a good relationship off the court?
2: No, it's funny because he went, I think, went out of his way not to talk basketball.
1: Mm.
2: We, you know, we'd go out and shoot in the backyard and just, you know, mess around, but he never was the, the type to drag me out and want to work out. I, I You're going to make 1,000 yeah, shots yeah, a thousand day. Shots, yeah. there, there were some days I begged. I was like, come on, please. And <laughs> he would do it if I asked. But, you know, and, and when when I asked, he, he, <laughs> he would put me <laughs> through the ringer. Oh, well, here's the drills yeah. we're going <laughs> to do today. This yeah. is what you want to do, okay. <laughs> yeah. But I never felt like it was, right, we're going to do this, you have to do it. Um, it was real casual. He, he wanted to know about my day, how school was. You know, he would, he would compliment me when I played well. He would tell me what, what I needed to do to play better, but it wasn't a... Very strict, you know, basketball-focused family.
0: I have to believe that that is a. Um, it helps you keep that balance, right? It yeah. helps you uh, so that you're not burned down on it. But but it probably also helped you stoke the love for the game because
2: you found it yourself. Well, I think it was helpful for him because mm-hmm. he didn't want uh, you know to feel as if he were pressuring me to to be successful in basketball. Yeah, I was a D three player, decent player at best, yeah. which, which is fine. But he wanted me to enjoy the experience. You know, and not worry about, well, you, you didn't play pro, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. Um, he didn't even want me to get into coaching. So was just like, he <laughs> like I've been there, and you don't but, need yeah. to do that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I fell in love with it, and I just couldn't get away. You know, what, because he did do some coaching. He did, well, well, and it was difficult. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, it was was, 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 what was yes.
0: this? You hear a lot of sons of coaches say, um, my
2: dad told me never to get in this profession. Yeah. Malone has but said that. M- Malone said that, that. yeah. <laughs> that he had a difficult run. Um And I think because he was so competitive as a player, his mindset, he wanted to put that on his team. Mm -hmm. And not everybody was, you know, built like that. So when things didn't go right, didn't go well, I think he internalized it. So, it, you know, it was very frustrating him, and he was like, you you don't want any part of that.
0: (laughs) And
1: now here you are. Yeah, here I am. What's the the biggest thing you've learned from him, or the biggest piece of advice that he's given you that has stuck with you throughout your journey?
2: I just think uh, being more, and that's more my personality, um, long-term. Thinking long-term, big picture. Because this game is a a game of runs. It's a very emotional game, you know, for 48 minutes. You don't want to make emotional decisions all the time. It's going to happen. But uh, through, through the course of the 82-game season, you have to have a, a steady flow to what you do and, and your approach. You can't be high. You can't be low. You're going to have those moments, but they have to be far and few between. I mean, otherwise, you're, 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 your players feel that. So I think the more you can be um, more patient, you know, more, more middle of the road, uh, they'll feel more comfortable as far as you know, they're going to make mistakes. And uh, when they make mistakes, all right, you correct it, but and then you move on.
1: How do you balance that then with, you know, this idea of being present and being grateful in the moment right, and not, right. you know, focusing too much on what's coming next?
2: Well, I think that's a fair point. I think uh, you can appreciate the moment, but you, you don't want to overdo it. Yeah. Good or Be bad. Be too stuck. Yeah. yeah, I think because when you do that, you lose sight of, you know, the fact that this is a seven-month grind. And, you know, you can't get caught up in, the, in a bad loss or a great win you know, too much. You can celebrate the great wins you can talk about and discuss and obviously want to fix the things that, you know, led to a bad loss, but you can't dwell on it. You you have to keep going. And I think that mindset, you know, even for our team next play, that type of mentality is helpful.
1: So the obvious answer to this question I feel like would be your father, but who has impacted you and your career the most?
2: It would be easy to say my dad. Obviously he's the one that, you know, got my foot in the door. Um, kind of led me to this to this point but I'd have to put it on my whole family because I saw the other side you know my mom you know all the things she had to to do you know while while my dad traveled yeah so and Mm -hmm. you know he was obviously grateful for um, her doing that but now my wife's doing it yeah so I I see the other side now and grateful for uh, her ability to kind of hold the house down and you know make sure the kids are taken care of and deal with my ups and downs and <laughs> comings and goings so I think the family in general you know having a, that dynamic it, it's a different you know vibe than you know most the typical nine to five uh, household Oh so yeah. different that's yeah. an understatement <laughs> that's yeah. right um, and
0: we'll get you out of here on this we really appreciate your uh, your time here but just uh, kind of does it just, just give us a view of, of what you expect the rest of the season how excited you are to watch this team continue to v- develop over the course of the season?
2: Well, I think we, you know, obviously said started off great. There's a lot of growth in front of us. Um, and I think our guys will continue to get better. And obviously we haven't shot the ball well. That's kind of been our thing, being able to score the ball at a high rate and be efficient. When we do that, you know, as as well as play um, defense defense as we have, I think uh, we'll surprise some people.
1: All right, I have one more. What's the most starstruck you've been? Hmm. Or who has
2: starstruck.
1: Because you've met a lot of important, impactful people.
2: I have. Um, that's a tough one. <laughs> wow. I'm going to say um, Beyonce. What? Yes! <laughs> Beyonce. You
1: met Beyonce. <laughs> I did. My entire podcast <laughs> yes. just changed. Yes. What? Yes. Tell me the story, please. Okay, Let me live vicariously um, through you.
2: It, trust me, it wasn't that great. <laughs> um, well, it's Beyonce, so it was, it was that uh, great. It was a birthday party for a former boss um, named Michael Jordan. Uh, and <laughs> thankfully, myself, Tim Conley can uh, back me up on this story. We were little minions running around. We were invited <laughs> to this party. And uh, she was there, I think, around the time her and Jay Z just got together. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I said, What the heck? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing pressing, just went up. Said, hey, I'm a big fan. Just want to me- meet you. That was it.
1: What did he say?
2: I, I don't even remember. I was probably what? <laughs> I have no clue. I,
0: I, I blacked I, out. I don't you know, remember I, anything. I was gonna say. I,
2: I know <laughs> that
0: feeling. It doesn't really even matter. No, like the, she, just, it just washes over for, you because moving yeah. yeah but I, I didn't nothing. hear
2: anything. Yeah, but, yeah.
1: Was she as beautiful in person?
2: Well, she she's pretty impressive. is yeah. <laughs> <The answer's> yes. <laughs> yes, for, for, for sure.
0: Uh, and on that note, Wes, we really really appreciate you stopping by the 24K table, which this is kind of the 24K room. Added room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Nuggets fans, uh, thank you for joining us as well. Stay tuned for the next 24K podcast.